0: they're not faking that contentment. And they're not cherry coding the low lows and they're not forgetting to celebrate the high highs. And I think that's because at the level of purpose they found of that finding that horizon, they're really capable of putting everything into perspective in a quick way. It doesn't take mm-hmm. them that long to process what's going on and put it into yeah. perspective.
1: Hello and welcome to the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast where every week You'll hear conversations with experts who are knee-deep in solving some of the world's most important problems. And yet, all these people think the future is still bright for us all. We need to know what they know. We need to see their vision of possibility. And on this podcast, you're gonna know how to tune your life towards that same kind of sense of purpose and meaning that these folks live every day, and then hopefully you'll be able to live with purpose and meaning too. This is the problem of our time. I think the pandemic has led us all to kind of question what we were doing with our time, our work, our personal life, the busyness level, and what we really want to do with our precious time going forward. So this podcast is going to introduce you to all kinds of people who have figured that out. And along the way, are going to give us very practical tools for how we can live lives of purpose and meaning too. I'm Dr. Linda Ulrich, founder of Ever Widening Circles. We've been writing articles, thousands of them, about insight and innovation going uncelebrated. And this world is still very amazing, I'm here to tell you. And our guest today is going to reiterate that just as strongly with me as I do because she's the CEO of Ever Widening Circles and my daughter, Liesel Ulrich Verderver. So Liesel, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me back. Well, this is part two of a conversation that we started recently, kind of commingling these insights that I've been getting now for almost a year from these weekly podcast interviews with thought leaders all over the world. And then what Liesl knows is to be true from her generational experience and in the future. I always like to say that Liesl and my young team at Everwidening Circles are right on the horizon. They can look over and see what's coming better than I can. But what I have is that 100,000 foot look from the past. So it's a good matchup. And today we're here to bring you the insights that we're both gleaning from our different vantage points. The main thing we want to do today is share a little bit more about meaning, purpose, and goals, which is something we talked about last week. So we're going to continue that. And today we're going to tell you a bunch of stories, um, people that we've written articles about and found extraordinary examples of the way ordinary people can lead lives of, of purpose. So Liesl, welcome. What do you have to say on this subject to start out with?
0: Yeah, I think, well, I just want to reiterate for people that either missed last episode or just tuning in for the first time here. You know, as we talked about in our last discussion, living with purpose is something that we have become very close with because we have over the past seven, eight years been writing so much about people who are doing good in the world because, and capable of doing so much good in the world, because they found a way to live with purpose. And last week we talked about sort of these Four, we call the mileposts that people have on their purpose-driven journey. The first one being the searching phase, this sort of like you're asking questions, you know, some things sort of wrong or off and you want to start living a person, you don't know where to get started and how a vital part of that is opening yourself up to curiosity. What do you want to learn more about sort of in the searching mode? And then we talked about the learning phase, which is this phase where you kind of now know what you're headed towards. You You may have a general direction. I know Perhaps that I love gardening or knitting, or I love volunteering or teaching. And now you start to like think about how do I incorporate that into my life? What are the examples of that? And that's where things like this podcast and the articles that we've written about people that are doing stuff. And we'll share some of those stories with you where they come in and they can be incredibly inspirational. And then we have this building phase, which is this phase where people start going from like, okay, I. Realize that like it is possible to be a veteran who's a beekeeper who teaches other people, and now how do I start to actually start to build a life of of me that has meaning and purpose? And that doesn't mean like I drop everything and run off to the rainforest to start climbing trees myself, but maybe how do I start building this lifestyle? This is balance that lets purpose enter my life in a more meaningful way, and then. This last one of connection of now that you've started to build a purpose a driven life, you're going to want to connect with other people who are doing the same. And we've built a network that's sort of purpose built for those kind of people that are driven to do good living with purpose because they're drawn to do good in the world. So I just want to give that quick recap for people that missed out on last week, or I just want to remember again, because I think each of us is somewhere on that spectrum and it is a spectrum. I think you can be searching, but still wanting to be connecting. You can be, you know, you can be learning and really wanting more building and learning at the same time concurrently. currently. But I think those are the four mile p- posts that we've seen after eight years of doing this, where people lie, especially when they come to us for, Ever-Widening, for the Everwidening Circles articles, we see people along that spectrum all the time. So- that's where we kind of get started today in this conversation is really, when we think about that, I think it's good for us to start breaking down a little bit for people, mom, what purpose means, what meaning means. We say like you want to live with meaning and purpose. And then I think start to break down a little bit, probably the fallacy of goals. I know that I, for one, am somebody who is always setting goals and feeling very much like they are empty. So I think we're going to touch a little bit on that today and give people, give you guys a more well-rounded understanding of what we mean when we say purpose and mean, because we keep saying it over and over again and give you guys some tangible examples of how how you come about finding purpose and meaning in particular.
1: Um, Perfect. (laughs) That's a great recap. I would encourage you to go listen to the other episode. Maybe a good preamble to this. We'll try and break up the shows up so they're super useful and practical. Help both. Um, A couple of things I just wanted to reiterate that are kind of milestones as we try and cross this river of understanding is that, first of all, you know, just enjoy this chat because we're going to tell some great stories of inspiring people and we're going to have great show notes that'll direct you, direct you to the timing of different stories if you want to circle back. And um, Lisa and I are actually next week creating a course about cultivating your, your, your purpose and, and goals and motivation and, and meaning. So there's going to be more of this from the Everwidening Circles team for sure. It's what we've learned ourselves from eight years of curating... Good news from the internet about inspiring people. So, just to kind of catch up, two big, big boulders in this river that we want to remember is that purpose is aspirational, always out in front of you. It's it's always looking forward. And meaning is something that you use to make sense of the past. So it's it's looking back at what happened, or it can even be right now in the present, looking at what's happening and having some sense of meaning because we sometimes need that that desperately. <laughs> In the middle of a hot, hot moment, it's important to be able to assign meaning. And if you've got your purpose, whether it's for a business meeting you're going into or a last day of your vacation or your big purpose, your big purpose reason for choosing to go to college or taking a job or whatever, if you have your purpose, it's something that directs your goals, helps you prioritize. It's the only way to prioritize, really. This is the thing. What I, I know a lot of people, and maybe you, you've you seen this even in your circles, Liesl, but I've watched a lot of lives in my dental practice and my, my family and all these years. It's easy to slip into this, I'll be happy when way of living. And I think when I really look at how, how I've been in my mind when I lived like that, I'll be happy when I set a goal, I reach it, I don't even stop to celebrate. I just make the next random goal. That's a, I'll be happy when we probably all know people like that who have like too many toys. (laughs) That's an happy, I'll be happy when life, because you always keep waiting for things or accomplishments or goals to make you happy. When all along, if you had a purpose, (laughs) you could have enjoyed a joy and kind of delight of living every day. Talk to me about what you've seen in your generation with that. I'll be happy when.
0: I think that, you know, I look at the I'll Be Happy one as more of like, it's like kind of written into the United States ethos. It's literally like the pursuit of happiness right there at the mm. very founding documents of the United States. And so I think, you know, people always bring this up. You can look at cultures around the world. Then there's this. And there's this feeling of contentedness, and we've written an article about it. I really strongly suggest you go take a look. It's about contentment versus happiness mm-hmm. and how if we are constantly trying to pursue happiness, and I think this is really important as we think about defining purpose, is if you are defining purpose to seek out happiness, happiness is a very fleeting it's a fleeting feeling. And whereas contentment is something that is sustainable. It is that feeling that I wake up in the morning and, you know, some mornings you're going to be delighted, but if you are content, you can roll over and, and look out the view, or you can, you can wake up and get your cup of coffee and feel that contentment. That is a feeling that is more sustainable. And one that I think we don't talk about quite enough or celebrate quite enough because happiness is the peak and sadness is the trough and contentment is sort of in the middle. And it's not saying that we don't have aspirations. It's just, if you're constantly in the pursuit of happiness, you will be in that pursuit forever because it's a dopamine hit. It's not a sustainable feeling. So I think as we talk about purpose and we talk about meaning and we talk about all these, these big words, I think it's not to be in the pursuit of happy. It's not in the pursuit of happiness. I think it's more in the pursuit of contentment of finding delight in small things and and big things in your day, because it's not, that's what's sustainable. If we if happiness comes at the very pinnacle of things and we can't always be up there, that would be nearly impossible. It's like you're constantly trying to climb the mountain. So that's what I see. And I think in my generation, you know, I'm, I'm of the age where people have now been out of college for a certain amount of years and they are either looking around at their job and saying, wow, I've been here for a while. I'm not really happy with this, or they're getting the itch to go and go off to grad school. And I, or, you know, just finishing up with like med school or law school or something like that. And so I think there is right now in my age group of people, sort of this unrest of, um, being in transition and of kind of wondering what, what will bring me contentment? What am I going to keep pursuing happiness? Like I saw my parents mm-hmm. pursue and feel stressed about all the time, or is there some middle ground of lifestyle and work and contentment that makes me have a more fulfilled and happy life than I saw people before me living? So I don't know, that's what I'm seeing from my, my mm-hmm. perspective in particular. Great
1: and i i definitely think well we we have a module in the course that we're going to teach about about the fact that when you find your purpose it's like that horizon out there that is staying even even though you might be in choppy seas all around you if you can focus on that on that steady horizon even in a storm you can you can make your swings like you like you just said the extremes of emotion even out. and That is one of the signs of somebody who's found purpose is that you're not ever too high or too low. They just, Mm -hmm. they have peace of mind most of the time.
0: Right. And I think it gives you perspective, right? It gives you a gauge with which to look at the highs and the lows, right? To create meaning, like you were saying, if you, if you understand, and I think this is true of so many of the thought leaders that we know, and so many that we work with, they're not faking that contentment. They're not, and they're not, cherry coating the low lows and they're not forgetting to celebrate the high highs. And I think that's because at the level of purpose they found of that finding that horizon, they're really capable of putting everything into perspective in a very, in a quick way. It doesn't take Mm -hmm. them that long to process what's going on and put it into perspective.
1: Right, 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 right. That's very, and that's about getting through the moments, right? with a lot more peace of mind. So just to give, I want to give people some real practical things to go to next after this chat. They're inspired. Do you know the uh, the article name of that one? Because that's a very important, you saw me tapping away here just a second, looking to the right on my screen here. I put it, happiness in the search box, but that didn't bring up the article that you're talking about. Uh, I and, think. And there's some great articles about happiness and I've been writing circles. Yeah. <laughs> but um, this article... I'm... We're gonna look for it and put it in the show notes. And
0: then we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Exactly. I I think the title does something to do with happiness. It's like why you can't be happy all the time or
1: yeah. you shouldn't it's be happy like all the that. time or something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought that would make it pop up. But um, but I will tell people that if you want to listen to one of my podcast episodes that is so relatable and instant practical use, I have to think Dr. Swiekamar Rao's conversation with me. Oh I, I think I must be thinking about it every day of my life. It, he's about the second or third podcast interview that we did. Dr. Rao is a, is a fellow who's been at the highest levels of executive status in industry. And then he was for 12 years, had one of the highest rated business courses that, that everybody wanted to get into at Columbia. And then he went off and he studied the world's greatest religions and he took out all the religion and just kept the wisdom. And he's been going around the world teaching the wisdom of, of the world's greatest traditions. For many many years. so Dr. Rao has this amazing interview with me where you learned something we call in our family good thing, bad thing <laughs> So gosh <laughs> it's a real it's a real practical thing when something bad happens to you, um, he has this great parable from India that he tells, which I will save. so go listen to him tell it I can never tell as good as he does. But it's a way of framing up everything that happens to you good or bad so that you keep this even keel and you can just be patient. And the, 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 the way time unravels very often, some of the worst things that happen to us turn out to be the best. Mm-hmm. And um, so check out Dr. Rouse. We'll put that, that one in the show notes as well, but check out. It's R-A-O. I think it's it maybe episode number three. So, so, Lisa, let's get to some storytelling about people. Can you, can you give people just before we start, because many people listen to this podcast may never have uh, been over at Ever Widening Circles. Can you give just a little gist of why we know this, these people and why these insights come so easy to us?
0: Yeah. So Ever Writing Circles is um, a positive media outlet that we started back in 2014. I came along in 2015. And over there, we write about articles, write about things that change the negative dialogue about our times, right? These are things that are not like the cute little like, boy, saves puppy, um, which like, I have a rescue dog. I love Love rescue dogs. Totally into saving puppies, but you know those are not the kind of things that are going to keep you feeling good about the world when you know there's incredible there's wildfires going on around the world, or you know knowledge of famine hits you. And our biggest thing is that for every problem there is in the world, there is somebody out there that's fixing it. And so our goal as writers and as an as a media outlet is to really be talking about the things that give people a more balanced worldview. Not that everything is rosy and perfect, but rather that there is the balance to this. And we are, we need to share the stories of the people that are solving the world's biggest problems. And so as we've found, as we've told the stories of the people that have found, of, of, that are stories of the people that are solving the world's biggest problems, there's the sentence we've discovered this, these sort of threads that run through all of them and, and how so many of these people are, are living, living with purpose. And mom, you can explain this far better than I can, but that You know, as we're looking at this, we're looking at what what a purpose-driven life looks like. You know, we've been doing this research and we found that there's like three ways, three major ways that people come to finding their purpose. And once that, and I'll let mom talk about that matrix a little better, but once we looked at that matrix, suddenly it made so, so much sense the stories of all these people that we've been writing about for the past seven years, suddenly we were able to understand, oh, okay, yeah, this is how they got to where they are. And this is how we can help other people reach that same level of feeling that they live with purpose. So I'll let you explain that matrix because you do it so much better than I do.
1: Oh, I'm just so familiar with it personally. (laughs) Okay. So There's, I I, I really want to give credit to where credit's due here. And there's this amazing scientist. If you want to look up his work, he's at Cornell University. His name is Anthony Burrow, B-U-R-R-O-W. Here's another great tip. If you want to learn about living with purpose, check out a wonderful podcast called Hidden Brain. Hidden Brain is a podcast that's, uh, the, the, the podcaster is a neuroscientist, but he makes neuroscience. He makes behavioral science why we do what we do as humans, super practical and relatable. It's my favorite podcast. It really explains everybody I know and myself and all the crazy decisions we make. So check out Hidden Brain. There is an episode called Cultivating Your Purpose. And in that, it's just one aha moment after another. But something Anthony Abro points out is that there are, you can't go discover your purpose. <laughs> I certainly know that. And I'll tell my story somewhere along the way here today. But there are three ways you can cultivate finding your purpose. And it turns out that people acquire their purpose. And he uses that word in a very interesting way. They acquire their purpose. It's almost like it finds you instead of you finding it. Three ways. One is that they start following their curiosity. And I know that you're going to do a workshop next week for the Conspiracy of Goodness Network about curiosity and how it relates to purpose. So I'll steal just a teeny bit of your thunder here is that, is that that first way of finding your purpose or living with more purpose is to follow your curiosity. It's, it's the, there are people that just, just go deeper and deeper and deeper into something they love, whether it's the seven stream banjo or oceanography or calligraphy or whatever that wind up at someplace new, they go deeper and deeper without even realizing they lo- allow themselves the time and the space to do that until one day they say to themselves, oh my gosh, I could do this and never tire. And then they find a way to make it a part of their their way of life because it sends them soaring. So there's that way. So you're going to hear us always talk about a lot of curiosity and we're going to tell you some stories of some thought leaders who've done it that way. The second way to acquire your purpose to, I guess, connect with it is what, like what happened to me. It's a very passive way. You're just going along, minding your own business, <laughs> and maybe you're doing something great in the world. I, I had an important job. I was I, I was a great dentist. I was using computers twenty years ago to fix teeth, fifteen years before most other people. Uh, and then one day, something happens, and we're going to tell you some stories about people like this. Something happens, and they're thrown into a situation very deeply, and they come out of it transformed. It's the the, the purpose definitely finds them and you are powerless to resist your purpose when you're, when it finds you that way. And I'm in that category and I'll tell you some great stories of others. And then the third way you can acquire your purpose is, is through mentors. Some people are very, very fortunate to be, to have an opportunity to work with others who have found their purpose. And then the longer you're in their presence and you watch how they process the world, the more you tend to internalize all those ways that bring such great outcomes over and over and over again and then one day something grabs you and shakes you and and you've already got all this training in your background from observation and you find your purpose. So Liesel, where should we start? You want to tell some of the stories about category one from the ever widening circles
0: experience? Yeah, I think a great, a great example of of number one of this sort of diving deep into a niche and then finding your purpose that way comes from a thought leader that we featured on the she's been on the podcast before. She's written a great article for us over on Everwidening Circles, named Mary Liz Bender. And she has an incredibly, wonderfully complex background. She's a musician. For a while she was homeless. And she was really felt sort of unmoored and and without a rudder. And then she started diving deeper and deeper into. The philosophy of the astronauts, the the knowledge that astronauts brought back from their from their travels, something called the overview effect, and so she became kind of like obsessed with space and the power that space has, and seeing the Earth from space has on turning people from these hardcore scientists, doctors, test pilots, into coming back to the Earth and becoming philanthropists and artists and people committed to humanity. And so she kept diving deeper and deep, deeper into the world of space. She kept being more and more curious. She kept sort of getting deeper and deeper into the niche of, of wanting to learn about this idea of the overview effect and get closer and closer to these, these astronauts for and rocket. a second. And- through rocket well, that film, came, right yeah that this came yeah secondarily she became what, what we call she loved and calls like a rocket chaser so she became somebody that was at the the liftoff she was doing videography and photography and that's where she met her partner and at one point found herself next to I think Buzz Aldrin and Bill Nye and sort of in that moment her sort of purpose really hit her And it was, it is to sort of tell people to to cultivate empathy using the wisdom of astronauts. So that's such a great story. And now she's got a podcast. Her mentor is now the person that coined the phrase, the overview effect. She has been to Mars, well, the version of Mars that's over in Hawaii and she is continue to continue to cultivate and educate cultivate relationships and educate people and is now one of the few videographers her and her partner one of the few videographers that are allowed on the SpaceX platforms which is pretty incredible so she is just totally in this world of diving deeper and deeper into a niche until in a moment it hits you the power of what you're supposed to be doing
1: so she's i have to point out this all happened between age like 17 and what 25 i don't know
0: i don't i I don't remember how old she was yeah yeah no she's a bit older than me so she's i think she's in her 30s now but yeah so but her life really did take off like two years ago when she wrote the article for us and suddenly connected with Frank White. And then all of a sudden these doors kept, kept opening and opening. And then I guess I went, I was talking to her recently and I guess her within the span of like her contacting us to write the article and it coming out, it, it was like, I thought it was many, many years. It turns out it was It was something like a year or like a year or two, which is really incredible that over the past, let's say five years, she's had this great, incredible trajectory. Um, that because that now,
1: now she's friends with all the living astronauts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, <laughs> and I have to point out that, you know, she was patient. She just kept at this passion. She kept diving deeper and deeper. And we should we should say that what happened to, launched this whole new opening was that she put her phone number in the article she wrote for us
0: no 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 she, it wasn't that she put the phone number no is that she wrote she just reached out to us cold she reached out no, to no. us totally cold no 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 she reached out to us totally cold and then she put her email address so right. she reached out to us totally cold we wrote the piece frank white had a google ping for the words overview effect and we put our put the email addresses of every writer in our articles at the end. It's part of their, their bios. And he started following her on Twitter, shared it on Twitter, and then reached out to her via email. So she she was sort of this like cascading effect of being able to put herself out there and, and get, get sort of this coverage that then got into this new place in life.
1: Yeah. That moment. Right. She just literally out of the blue that morning, got a phone call from the person she admired most in the whole world. (laughs) It's just a great story. And she's been like a rocket herself ever since. So, I'll tell a story from the Everwinding Circle stories like that, that is just diving deeper, and then you wind up somewhere you never anticipated. I interviewed, and this is a great podcast to listen to, a wonderful evolutionary biologist. Don't let that turn you off because that's not what we talked about. Dr. Tamsin Woolley Barker look up that episode and have a listen. This is a woman who studied baboons, much like Jane Goodall studied chimpanzees. um, Pamsin Willie Barker studied baboons. And she was this, looked at evolution and how it plays out and all that. And (laughs) now she counsels industry, captains of industry, about how human beings are actually not built socially there are social structures not like any other primate we're not like the chimpanzees gorillas and baboons we are actually more like ants i know it's a good it's an easy it's easy to take a hit to your ego but what she means by that is human society humans we are built to self-organize that's it We will. Have you ever noticed, you know, if it just works out at the end of a big picnic, everybody just jumps up and finds something to do that's in their wheelhouse and the mess is totally cleaned up in 20 minutes? That's self organization. You might be lucky enough to work in a place that's like that. But what happens in most workplaces is we hire people for their great skills and and creativity and all this individualism and wonderful energy that they might bring as self-starters to our organization. And then we make them fit into systems that are so rigid, they don't get to use any of that self-organization impulse. And so she counsels industry, captains of industry about how to create a workforce that works well with the way humans are built. So... (laughs) This is a woman who started out somewhere and went deeper and deeper and deeper until she figured out there was this whole niche in business that connected to evolutionary biology. So I love that. T- Dr. Tamsin Willie Barker, look up that, that podcast episode of the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast or just bat this back and forth. Do you have any, anybody else like that, that that you can think of on our in our stories?
0: Yeah, I think another good example of somebody in that, in that sort of like find your niche and keep going that then almost turns into, you know, a catalyst for that third category of of sort of the mentorship category is somebody named Eric Hollenbeck, and he runs Blue Ox Woodwork. And he, Blue Ox Millworks, excuse me. And he was a Vietnam veteran who came out of the war and was really searching and trying to find himself and found himself falling deeper and deeper into woodworking and doing the kind of stuff that you take you know, if a building that's historical needs, and he gets very specific, you know, if a historical building needs a specific piece of wood that's handcrafted, he does like these incredible handcrafts, not using machining, not using kind of technical technology of today. And through that, he really found his passion and purpose, which is twofold. One, to be working with old tools and working in old ways. And two, to be teaching kids who like himself didn't growing up, didn't really fit into the traditional education model and just kept kind of failing out of every single thing that they were a part of. And so now he's sort of become that mentor that's helping young people find their purpose is now he's taken, he's almost at this like next level where he's gone and found his purpose, his purpose. And then I think this is a wonderful thing too, is that Your purpose can be one thing, right? Your purpose can be woodworking and working with the old materials. And then at some point, it also then it can take a bit of a left turn and become your purpose is teaching people what you have learned over time. So I think that that's a really great example of the way that our our purpose evolves. Hope Zavara, who we who we you had on the podcast, she talks about this, you know, in a workshop that we recently ran. And you can see if you're a member of the Conspiracy of Goodness Network, you can see the recording. She talks about this idea of, you know, if you have a if you find purpose or a mission in life, basically that becomes your rudder, right? And it's sort of like you know what you love to do and what calls you. And then when things out of the blue in her case, being a yoga instructor who teams up with a guy who runs a trucking company and they come up and with something called mother trucker yoga, you know, there, she can go from like one maybe be somebody who taught yoga to people to then one maybe be somebody who taught yoga to truckers. Like, you know what I mean? Like once you find your purpose, it kind of gives you this rudder to, to find into new, find new ways of helping people. So hope is actually a great example of one of the people oh, from sideways she, on that yeah. one. Not who I meant to, yeah. to mention there, but yeah, I think there's something really important about the ways in which as we find our niche, as we find our purpose, we kind of become either a mentor to others, or we find different ways to help our purpose, cultivate our purpose and bring it into new places.
1: Mm -hmm. And what I've noticed is that the people who have very strong sense of purpose and cannot be knocked off the mark are the ones who are connected to others, Mm. you know, because people are counting on you and because you've seen shining eyes looking back at you that is something that's hard to turn away from. And it'll really get you through some hard times. Mm-hmm. So this is level one. You, you just dive deeper and deeper and deeper in something that, is, is a, that brings you delight. And you become so familiar with it that you start seeing ways to connect it. I, you got to look up Mother Trucker Yoga. Hope is unbelievable. And she's doing good in the world. There's not another more important profession right now than trucking and truckers are in a bad way as far as their ability to get physical exercise. But she teaches them mm-hmm. what to do in the cab. She teaches them what to do while they're pumping their gas. It's amazing the stuff yeah, really that incredible. we can all use sitting at our desks, too. Uh, we want her to lead, lead some kind of an event where she's teaching us yoga at, uh, for people who sit at their desks and their computers a lot. She's great. So before we go to level two, which is people that are following some train of thought and then an event that connects in some way happens and they are pulled in and never to return to the place where they started. So let's take a break. And we're going to talk about the the second annual Conspiracy of Goodness Summit, which is a great afternoon of speakers like we're talking about here. I think Mary Liz is one of them, right? She's our, I think she's going to be our musical guest this year. Wow. Yeah. yeah, Okay. We'll say nothing more, but we've got some amazing people at the summit. So you can, you can hear about that in the next few minute or two, and then we'll come back and we'll go to level two. Do you thrive on learning from and collaborating with others for the good that's in the world and becoming a better version of yourself, both personally and professionally every day We have built something just for you. The Conspiracy of Goodness Network. You can be a part of the first networking platform that prioritizes personal and professional growth as we work together to make the world a better place. The Conspiracy of Goodness Network is a vetted platform of entrepreneurs, creatives, and professionals who are committed to making the future brighter for us all, people like you. On the network, you can ask questions and find help with projects, share trusted resources, request and attempt workshops, expand your network of thought leaders, and learn from the experience of others to catalyze your work, interests, and passion projects. This is a place where all of us who are doing something to improve the world, large and small, can flourish. The $35 a month membership fee includes attendance to exclusive monthly happiness hours, where you can hear from amazing speakers and influencers. It includes participation in monthly community challenges that will improve your own life and the world around you. You'll have access to the network's mentor match service to grow exponentially in your insight and decision making. And you'll get automatic discounts on all of our courses and events. So join us. Co-conspirators for goodness around the world, those who are doing anything they can to make the world a better place, are coming together on this network to collaborate, and it is time we find each other. Go to conspiracyofgoodnessnetwork.com for a simple three-step questionnaire to apply to be a member today. Let's connect, collaborate, and change the future. Okay, we're back. All right, so we've talked about how there's three ways to to cultivate purpose in your life. One is to just dive deeper and deeper into the things you love and let your curiosity be your guide. And eventually you get so deep in that that you, can, you just say, oh, I could never tire of this. And you find a way to live with it every day, maybe in a business way, maybe in a giving back way. The second way that people... Come to finding more and more purpose in their lives is by an event, usually a significant emotional event. (laughs) And our best example of that of that is Topher White. You want to tell Topher's story?
0: Yeah. So Topher, an incredible thought leader, who I'll I'll spoil it here for a hot second. He is saving the rainforest using old cell phones. So we'll we'll start with that teaser sentence. And you guys have probably heard his story before. We like to tell it a lot because it's so incredible. But so Topher came to this roundabout way of saving the rainforests. He was an engineer by trade or by training, I should say. And he was in the rainforests of Barneo. And he learned that basically that the rainforests were so loud that rangers couldn't hear a chainsaw starting up even a, a hundred meters from the ranger hut, fifty meters from the ranger hut. It was just so loud in the rainforest. They they were staying at a ranger station, they went out and there was all these trees cut down that, that weren't cut down the night before and they didn't hear any of it. And it was, you know, in our daily lives, you would be able to hear a chainsaw that close. So he realized that there was this problem of being unable to hear these chainsaws going off that were these people coming in and taking down the rainforest. And so what he did was he kind of looked around and this was a really, he, he knew this was a problem. He knew he had the skills to solve it and he just couldn't not solve it. And he found himself developing a way to take old cell phones, basically tune them, use the microphone to tune them to just hear the sound of chainsaws, and then be able to notify. It turns out there's decent enough cell service that you can kind of daisy chain them together and basically be able to alert a local ranger station that there was a a, a chainsaw going off. And then that ranger could go out and stop the logging before it got too far. Just a side note on that, because I think this is pretty incredible. So that he is setting that up in and working with local communities in Borneo. He's working, I think, starting a, a, in rainforests in Africa, and, and he's doing it in South America as well. And an even cooler thing that developed out of this was all those microphones are picking up so much sound. Um, maybe I'm biased for this because it's big data and AI, and my partner happens to be in both of those. But they started listening to the sounds of the birds. They found the birds would change their, their songs, their calls, as the trucks rolled in with the people with the chainsaws. So they have been able to now be able to stop the, the logging before the chainsaws even start by just listening to the birds in the region. So to me, that's an incredible ex- And now he's using similar technology to save whales off the coast of Ireland. So like this is another great example of like this catalytic moment of seeing this beautiful rainforest being cut down before his very eyes when he was just meters away, leading him to a technology that has now become a way of not only studying the rainforest, but also being able to save the rainforest and now somehow working with whales it's pretty it's
1: pretty incredible that's being on vacation and being your life changed forever (laughs) Uh, another story that I absolutely love to tell that's in this genre is a story of the the man Damien Mander who has discovered that single mothers make the best game wardens in Africa now just sit on that for a minute there are people who think that what he's done and what he's discovered and learned and nurturing the, the the project he's nurturing could be the the greatest insight in um, conservation in a hundred years. So what he his story is so great. He was a professional sniper in the Iraq War. He's an Australian guy, and when the war ended, he <laughs> has a great TED talk too. I think if you look up Damien Mander. TEDx. These are powerful. Two two of the most powerful TED talks I've ever seen. So he tells the story much better than I do. But after the the Iraq War, he was like, uh, "What does a counterinsurgency specialist do with the rest of their lives?" Because he was a young man and very skilled at what he did. But and so one thing leads to another. He winds up in Africa, I, I believe, with a friend on a vacation, sort of a little bit Topher White story, and they are on a safari game drive, like like are happening all over Africa every day with tourists. And they come upon a water buffalo, a female water buffalo that's in a leg hold trap who has tried and tried and tried for so long to get herself out of it that she's torn her own leg off. And and the, ga- and the game warden that they're with, the, the guide puts the animal down right in front of Damien and a switch, a switch flip. He said he never gave two thoughts to conservation or wildlife or loved animals, none of that was on his radar screen. His whole life, he was a trained sniper. And then just like that, something about watching that man and and how he handled the situation and what he was up against, he just knew that he had the training. He had the background to bring to this problem. And this is another thing I absolutely love about a lot of the thought leaders we write about. They connect things that no one ever thought to connect. And so what Damien learned was that wildlife poaching, especially endangered species, is, is comes from organized crime. That's what's at the top of it. And one thing led to another, and he realized it was a war. He watched the way we were trying to take care of wildlife poaching for a year or two and tried to train game wardens in his kind of counterinsurgency tactics. And he, he would run uh, men game wardens through the pace as an example he gives. He ran 123 men through the kind of three-day training that he would have had, and only two remained. And then <sighs> he rethought it. And he looked at all these toughest nails, single women that were in these little communities all around, the, the villages all around, these big game parks that he was trying to protect. And he said, you know, what the heck? And he invited 25 single mums to come do the training. And all but two were still there on the last day. And he figured out they, they they had a level of toughness and perseverance because of their life experiences that they could bring to this. And the number one thing he discovered was that they could de-escalate things. That rarely was a shot fired when a woman game warden was involved. They knew their communities. They could dive in and hear the scuttlebutt and get young men out of doing the thing that we just about to do. There's so much to this story. There's an article, if you put Damien Mander in the search box at everyone in these Circles, you're gonna hear about Damien's story. But this is an exact example of how your life can be going along. And when you're in a transition, you know, be open for these opportunities that really grab you by the neck and shake you because that might be what you were meant to do. And Damien is literally changing the future for all of us by growing this giant organization called the International... I-A-P-A. I think it's, well, look up Akashinga. That is the project, the Akashinga. It means brave one. And uh, you're going to find an example of this, this way that finding your doing good work in the world can turn out to be, to be applied to something else and be just the met, right medicine for the problem. So what else? Do you have anybody else in that second category that you can think of off the top of your head? Yeah,
0: I think a a great example, and this is a shorter example, is the story of of a man um, in India whose son passed away. And I think that what's important about some of these stories, too, is that you don't need to go off saving the rainforest or go off starting an anti-poaching league. There are ways that we can be working to find our purpose that are, we would call them maybe smaller, but still have a very big impact It's the story of a man who lost his son to a pothole accident in India. It turns out one of the most dangerous parts of driving in India is pothole accidents. Basically, thousands of people a year are dying because they get in accidents related to potholes, and his son happened to be one of them. And he took it upon himself then after that event, that, that terrible event, to start filling the potholes himself. He would go get the concrete or the asphalt and go out with his tamper and start filling the holes in in roadways and just became the guy who filled potholes. And that's what he sort of has done in his purpose and his mission in life. And, you know, he's really work. He's one of those people that's just working, working with a sense of purpose because again, this event happened in his life. And now he's, again, he's in, he hasn't started a giant organization. He doesn't have thousands of people doing it with him. He's just one man filling potholes and saving thousands of lives and in his own way by doing this. And so I think that's a great example of, us not having to have purpose hit us in some grand way, rather finding purpose in sort of smaller ways that are, you know, you don't have to go start an organization. You can just sort of change one corner of your life.
1: Smaller ways that add up, smaller mm-hmm. ways that, that mean the world to, to one other. What's that, what's that parable about a guy walking along the beach throwing sand starfish back into the mm-hmm, water and somebody mm-hmm. says hey you know there's a thousand starfish here you're never going to make a difference and the man says hey well it just made a difference to that one mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. so tell the story of the guy with a car the guy that has that cool old car and he saves people who are stranded on the roadsides oh yeah it sounds
0: the, the article is called the Highwayman," and it's about this gentleman who when he was very young, his car broke down and, and a kind stranger helped him and basically told him to sort of pass on the good deed. And so he has started, he just drive, now in, in retirement, he drives up and down the highway in California. And I think it's a coastal part of California and finds people who their tire has blown. They've run out of gas, their radiators are exploded, any of the things. And he helps them out, gets them back on their feet and gets them back on their way and he hands them a card that essentially says the same thing that the gentleman who helped him when he was a young man said, which is, you know, take this and pass it on to somebody else. And I think that's another wonderful story of somebody who has taken on something that can be meaningful to others, but isn't going and saving the rain. It, I think that the, my one of my favorite things about that story and about so many of these stories is that there are so many different ways you can find purpose and so many different ways that you can be helpful to others that, you know, are not making the news that are not, you know, big, giant, multi-million dollar organizations or businesses. They are people doing kind things and they are just as powerful to the average person um, because Mm -hmm. they are connecting with the average person in, in sort of a deep way.
1: Yeah. But, you know, I'm not going to go into it too much. You can find this on the podcast too. The story of Merman Mike. Remember, he's a, he's a man in California that just loves to dive for the sake of diving. And so he started just for, to be nice, just started diving for things people lost. You know, there was a woman who was visiting her mom for the last time in her phone, which was in a waterproof case, but fell off the side of something very deep, very bad. <laughs> and she lost all those last pictures of her mom. And, you know, just out of the kindness of his heart, he goes and dives for it and brings them back. No money exchange, no nothing. A lot of gratitude, a lot of hugs, a lot of smiles. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. can look that one up too. He's he's doing amazing things in the world. So Yeah you don't have to save the rainforest. You can find your calling in just w- finding ways to make the world a better place for one other person.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that leads perfectly into into that third way that people can connect okay. with their purpose.
1: Take it, because I love this. We have lots of articles about that third way. Yeah, so the third way,
0: like we talked about, is you're around people Others, you've met this sort of mentorship group, right? That, that helps you find or mentor individual who helps you find your purpose, right? And I think. I think this one is we write a lot about organizations that are like this. Right. And and maybe maybe the individuals it's like so many individuals come out of it. It's almost hard to like write down and, and have the names of every single person. But one of my favorite examples of this is Moa Farms in Hawaii. And it's a farm that's basically teaching young indigenous people farming, organic farming techniques that indigenous farmers of Hawaii would have used, you know, for centuries going back. And it's this incredible story of that follows one of the, the main women who now is helping to run the organization, but started out as a young person. And they help pay for kids' education. They help bring them sort of more than just the farming skills. And what I love about that one is you can very clearly see people stepping into their purpose. You can see people connecting, young people connecting with a past that they haven't had any ability to connect with before. And in, that, in doing so, it kind of roots them in who they are and. And then they're able to jump off and find different bigger ways of having purpose. And I think th- it's one of my favorites because you're what you can watch mentoring happen in as you're watching. So if you want to look up that one, it's Maoa Farms, M-A apostrophe O Farms. They're an organic farm in Hawaii that is teaching young indigenous youth how to do organic traditional methods, do organic farming. And it really is you watch firsthand as you see these young people Connect with their culture, connect with something bigger than themselves, and then use that feeling of purpose to do things like become doctors and become teachers and become members of the community. And then be so connected to the community, that they come back and, and continue spreading that kind of joy and love in their communities. So that one, that one's my, I think my favorite example. That one I always think about whenever we bring up this idea of, of mentorship and of being around people that teach you so much that then you find your purpose. Mm-hmm.
1: Now it can happen. Also, I, I, I was being interviewed on a podcast the other day, fabulous podcast by Andy Chalif. It's a podcast called A Wonderful Chaos. And they are having the hard conversations in a lovely way over on that podcast. So Andy told me that he found his calling because he was lucky enough to get a job with someone who was absolutely living with purpose every day. And you know, it was just by accident that he wound up in this place. He the job wasn't what attracted him to stay and stay and stay and stay and stay. And stay. It was this being able to watch a, a purpose with a person with purpose in action. And so that's a that's another to Liesel's point. You know, you don't if you decide you want a life of purpose, you don't have to quit your job. <laughs> you just have to find the meaning of your role at that job. And for gosh sakes, if Part of the work you do doesn't feel fulfilling, but you've got the, the ear or the elbow of somebody who is living with purpose. That is this third path. To finding your purpose is to see somebody else doing it mm-hmm. and take careful observation of how they react to everything in their lives. A great example that I recently got exposed to was this interview I did with Chip Conley. If you look up Chip Conley on the Conspiracy of Guinness podcast, Chip was the wise elder that the guys who started Airbnb hired. So he was only 43, <laughs> but they were 27. So that made him the wise elder in the office at Airbnb. And they knew that they had the tech skills and, and all the I, right off out of the box ideas to revolutionize the, the hotel industry. But they knew what they didn't have was the wisdom of experience. Chip Conley, what is arguably the guy who invented the whole boutique hotel movement. Well, he maybe didn't invent it, but he, he made it what it was. He owned 52 hotels in California, boutique hotels, and was the darling he's written books and now he has a great movement himself uh, about nurturing this notion of us paying attention to the wisdom of elders but there you go I mean he was a mentor now he is a mentor this is kind of the the way goodness is passed down one person to another is that mm-hmm. you know we, we we have a lot of reverence for the process that we're in with others when we found mm-hmm. our purpose hmm hmm so, you know, these are some great examples to get people started. Again, we're going to have a lot in the show. We'll have links to every single thing we've mentioned in the show notes. We have a great podcast organization that produces this podcast, Streamlined, and they take careful notes. So you'll be able to find the different stories really, really terrifically if you want to revisit them. So, Liesl, you know, as we go forward, you've got the, you've got the Conspiracy of Goodness Network, the, uh, the Conspiracy of Goodness S- Summit coming up. Both those two, one, well, oh, tell us, okay, I'm not going to go into it. Tell us where we can find all about your work and, and what you're doing with the Conspiracy Goodness.
0: Yeah. So right now, the best way to connect the conspiracy of goodness and the network is to come join us and get your tickets to the conspiracy of goodness summit. This year, we really wanted people to be able to connect before and after. I'm a big conference head and my biggest problem has always been like, I leave the conference with a ton of energy and like having all these people on LinkedIn. And then I have, I have no reason to connect to them ever again. So this year, what we're doing is we're giving everybody who buys tickets for the conspiracy of goodness summit we're giving them access to the Conspiracy of Goodness Network up until uh, December 1st. So you'll be able to connect with people before, you'll be able to connect with people after. Um, So if you are looking for mentorship, if you are looking for other people to support you on your goodness-driven journey, if you're looking to just connect with a bunch of people, right now is the time to go and grab your ticket to the Conspiracy of Goodness Summit. We are going to be talking about living with purpose this year. We have a lineup of incredible speakers, including several podcast guests, Carl Sona, Kenton Lee, Hadia Missa.
1: Yeah, I, you've got you've so got Hadia,
0: wow. And we are going to be talking about all the different ways that people can start living with purpose, the ways in which we can connect our lives to the ecosystem of the Conspiracy of Goodness. It is going to be really incredible. And we already have a bunch of people who are connecting over on the network and saying hello. So please do join us. Tickets you can get at com slash tickets. Or much easier, Cog Summit, C O G S U M M I T dot and you can grab your tickets. There's tons of of buttons that say get tickets. So I
1: hope I made that clear enough.
0: But yeah, it's no. gonna be absolutely incredible. It's October 10th, so we do want you guys to join us there.
1: Can you just for folks who are new to the podcast, can you just take a little detour about what makes the Conspiracy of Goodness Network special? Yeah, this, it's, it's, it's really a, goodness. It's a social media platform for people yeah. who, who are yeah. fighting for goodness in the world, right?
0: Yeah. So. The conspiracy goodness network is really the first first we found social media site specifically developed to help people connect personally and professionally as they work towards doing good in the world so we are connecting people we say the learners the helpers and the doers the people that are just coming into this fresh and being like i want to do good and i just want to connect with other people who had that same feeling surprisingly so many people are part of that the helpers the people that just you know we know them in our lives are the ones that are running the every single charity event they're the ones who are like the energizer binders bunny, bunny of wanting to be helpful out in the world. And then the doers, people that are out there doing things, running the organizations, running the businesses. We look at it as an ecosystem. We all need each other to to thrive and survive in this world that um, doesn't always appreciate goodness as a business model or goodness as a way of living one's life. And so it's this wonderful place where every month, We get together for two events per month. You can come to those. They're also recorded. And so you can catch them later. And then we have lots of ways to connect and share our stories, share each, share, how do I put it, share recommendations and share ways that, you know, we have helped our journeys grow so that we can help each other's journey grow. I. I think of it as a lot as like a puzzle. Like we all come bringing a piece and we don't have all the pieces with us, but sometimes someone can share their piece with you and suddenly your puzzle makes a lot more sense. So it's a really wonderful place where we try try and put the social back in social media and goodness back in social media.
1: And, you know, we, I have to say, I think it was, we created it because we needed it. Mm-hmm. We created what we couldn't find on the internet of a billion websites. We couldn't find a place where where people doing good in the world could amplify each other's efforts. Mm-hmm. Could, mm-hmm. you know, everything from, does anybody know a good website builder? Does anybody know a good trademark attorney? To, I need a copier and I don't have any funds. Does anybody have a, access to office supplies? You know, those are the practical hurdles that we filled, gosh, <laughs> We went through five web developers till we found the wonderful person that helps us now. Gosh, it would have saved us a lot of trouble to have been a part of a network of people that we could just shout out the question and have five people tell us somebody we could trust. So that in itself is a part of that. Is it had to have a, be a part of a trust of trusting network of people that can be. bring out the best in our impulses and our skills so thank you Liesl for everything you're doing for the big wide world Liesl has always been someone who sacrificed for the greater good since she was six (laughs) and um, I'm very proud to work with you every day and to watch how your life is is gonna have an impact on our all of our futures so thank you for thank you for doing this you could have done a lot of things
0: and yeah, thank you. For this having is what me you in. choose.
1: So, um yeah, thank thanks you. for telling some stories with me today. and we hope people love this love this episode and are fired up about finding their own route. and we're gonna give you a whole lot of ways to continue the journey. Okay, so have a great day. Thank you. This is episode number maybe forty nine fifty. So there's a lot of a lot of practical advice about living with purpose in the last previous episode. so, Enjoy. We hope that next, that this episode carries you through your week and you find all the the joy and wonder that we've been talking about and it elevates you to new heights. Have a great day.